0: Tyler. This is Danny And we're here, episode 97 of Fried Squirms Where we're gonna go a little bit too fast, too furious for y'all to handle <laughs> Yeah, we are
1: You'll know why here in just a little while The title should give it away
0: Fuck yeah, we're gonna go joyriding up in this bitch
1: <laughs> Yeah, dude, I'm looking forward to talking about it Brings uh, back good memories Yeah,
0: yeah, same here So, before we get into it, what do you got going on? Like, I know we've already both said we kind of had boring weeks, but <laughs> For the
1: most part, yeah I know last week I had mentioned that there was a possibility I might go see the house that Jack built. Unfortunately, I didn't. Man, I was like worn out and plus having some edibles, that probably didn't help my cause. <laughs> but yeah, I took a long nap, dude. And By the time I woke up, I was like, yeah, no, it's just not going to work. But I've heard some good things, man. I've heard some really good things about it. Nice. And by the time our listeners are listening to this, it's dropping on the 14th of this month here in December for I think a video on demand and DVD maybe oh, Blu-ray yeah. so they'll be hearing this before it's out so go yeah. check it out yes exactly so check it out I know I'm probably going to be getting a copy it's uh, Lars von Trier right it is yeah director of Antichrist he did Dance in the Dark Melancholia yeah so he's known for talking and directing about controversial subjects <laughs> mm. you know and it's very visceral the way he films and the cinematography is beautiful not everybody's a cup of tea but i'm a big fan so anyhow i missed that <laughs> i was mentioning to you i had practice yesterday so i've been playing bass again so that was fun and just catching a couple of films like some older films throughout the week core films i watched they live and i started watching it comes at night and a few other films slither oh, cool. and stuff like that so yeah i'm just trying to get caught back up on a few films how about yourself uh, man
0: I'm almost enough done with Assassin's Creed that I can do other oh, things with my life. So, Yeah, you I've were showing me some, that earlier. It's I've awesome. put in some major time getting as much shit as I can done so I can move on and do other things. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not wrong with that, dude.
0: No shit, that's about it, though. I really don't have too much from my end. It's been uh, kind of just a
1: lot of sitting around. So, Quite understandable. Like I said, we're kind of settling in. It's almost wintertime here in Montana around the country for that part but no I guess kind of leading off with some news I found some interesting things there's actually a lot to talk about believe it or not but we've talked about James Wan before and okay. yep, he was saying that he wants to direct a scary Batman horror movie that's kind of one of his fantasies so he's kind of tinkering with the idea and you never know man it's kind of interesting I mean he's already done Aquaman so there's a possibility he'd get back in that DC universe and stuff mm-hmm. so we'll see what happens All right, so the next one I have is about Sam Raimi, and he's producing an adaptation of the horror novel Shrine for Screen Gems. So he's still busy. I know nothing of that horror novel, but... I really don't either, man. So apparently that was published in 1983, and it's penned by James Herbert. It says, here, this story is about a disgraced journalist who discovers a series of seemingly divine miracles in a small New England town. And uses them to resurrect his career. But the miracles may have a much darker source. So it's like, uh, pretty interesting. You know, there whenever you toy around with New England, you're tapping into some old history there. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> be interesting to see what happens. Now this one, not everybody's a fan of this guy, but you and I, we've confessed about this a long time ago. But Rob Zombie was remaking the blob at one point, and yeah. early concept art has now surfaced. Oh no shit. Yeah like that's pretty nice so what did they say back in 2009 it was reported that Zombie would be writing and directing a remake of The Blob what are you seeing that on I want to see this concept art this is for those who like it check out Bloody Disgusting they've got some pretty cool stuff on there that's kind of where I get most of the news and they're aces so I use them for my sources so yeah um, I'm a fan of the 1988 The Blob I don't think I've ever seen the original but it would have been interesting to see his take on it too but some of the concept art looks pretty dope.
0: Yeah, that looks a little bit kind of like how I saw him describe some of the shit in some of those early interviews when he was still attached. Where it was going to be less of like a big one singular blob and more like something that would turn people into zombies nice. and shit. And that's kind of what this is showing is mutated humans that have all been globbed together. Some of them look like people that have been blobbed together, but they're Just kind like a of... a mass, yeah. Yeah. That's they're kind dope. of a bunch of purple clay faces.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but for those who are interested or curious, you can check out a couple of those stills. It is on Bloody Disgusting. So moving along, I do have some information. We've talked about this a couple of times. So the sequel to The Shining has officially wrapped. So the director of that, Mike Flanagan, who also did Gerald's Game, he is officially wrapped up shooting on Dr. Sleep. So we've talked about the fact that Hugh McGregor is going to be in it. It's got some really cool other actors and actresses we've mentioned before, but really looking forward to that. It should be pretty interesting. I know Patrick, he's real high on the novel. So if they keep close to its source, it could have huge potential to be like a blockbuster smash. So keep an eye and ear to the ground on that one. So the next thing is, if you haven't seen the more recent Halloween, you might want to tune out for just maybe a minute or so. (laughs) But if you want some good news... John Carpenter is up for scoring the next Halloween sequel. Okay. So it is official. David Gordon, he did provided some news about the fact that they're pretty much gonna they're do probably, a sequel. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if and when that happens, John Carpenter's still. How much on board. money is
0: that brought in now? Dude, do I don't remember the official
1: numbers, numbers but man, it, it was getting like a ridiculous box yeah. office. Speaking of which, too, I know we talked about Venom. This is kind of going back to the blockbuster. I saw, like, last week it made over $800 million so far Jesus. worldwide. I was like, God damn.
0: So, it's yeah, I'm not quite doing, sure
1: what the numbers were for Halloween. It's got to be doing most of that overseas at this point. Oh, I'd imagine so. Yeah. <laughs> it would surprise the shit out of me if it was here in the States. All right, so another director we've talked about before, and that's Takashi Miike. But for those who are fans and for those who are maybe curious about getting into some Miike, aero video is bringing a 2k restoration of audition here in the states and in canada next year mm. now audition is for a lot of people who are more into what they consider hardcore horror i suppose is this one kind of gets lumped into that i have my reservations about that but that's a pretty good entry if you're going to get into some and that's
0: probably one of his most famous too. yeah for sure i think maybe we've his done with most Ichi,
1: famous. but yeah audition i think more people know about that mm-hmm. all right now since we were talking about the house that jack built it only had a one night premiere and that was around the country on the 28th of november and apparently made two hundred thousand dollars in one night on 140 screens so that's a pretty damn decent number <laughs> And
0: I thought I was just saying something that might have gotten IFC in trouble. But
1: Yeah, the MPAA were out and about. <laughs> yeah, because it is an IFC project. So we'll see what happens, man. I've that heard too late
0: now. <sighs> Fucking worth it. Way to go, yeah, IFC.
1: I'm really looking forward to it. Fuck the MPAA. For those who have shutter, which you and I we do and we like to pimp it out, Mandy is available now, so go check out Mandy. That's not really part of my news, but it is newsworthy. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it is. That movie was great. All right, so the last little bit of news I have. This involves Blue Underground, which a distributor, I own several of their films. They are working on 4K restorations of Two Evil Eyes and The New York Ripper. So, Two Evil Eyes, that is co-directed by Dario Argento and George A. Romero, who we've talked about before, both gentlemen, and... The New York Ripper, another director we've talked about before, was directed by Lucio Fulci. It's a giallo, and it was released in 1982. I do own several of his movies. I don't have The New York Ripper, but this might be one worth checking out, dude. So yeah, that's pretty much some of the news bits. I saw that was newsworthy. It's like, that's some pretty good stuff, man, because usually, you know, you will run into a few things here and there, but it's a lot of good news coming out, man.
0: Also, I think the day after this episode airs, Evil Dead 2 is coming out on the 4K release that I think we talked about a couple months
1: ago. I'm considering pre-ordering it, like, right now. (laughs) Don't blame me, dude. Yeah, I just recently purchased a copy of Evil Dead 2. Love that. uh, Without saying a whole lot about the series, man, it might be my favorite movie in the entire series yeah i might
0: end up doing that we'll see it's been my experience so far since i've started upgrade to, to 4k that it makes most things better not everything
1: that's understandable yeah
0: sometimes you end up seeing too much and it makes it easier to see where they patch things together but that's just my personal experience so far I might wait to see what some of the reviews are on that 4K transfer,
1: but... I don't blame you. But yeah, it's still nice Mm -hmm. for those who like the double, triple, quadruple dip. Mm -hmm. Here's your chance to get a 4K copy, so... Yeah, dude. Like I said, outside of just my personal stuff and some of the news of the week, man, I'm... Like I said, I'm looking forward to talking about this film. This one. Kind of go back with it.
0: In that case, let's get to it. Let's dip into the guts and bolts. back guts and bolts joyride now i don't know why we decided to do a 1935 british comedy <laughs> by harry hughes that's not the right joyride <laughs> yeah not for this week okay so so we're doing a 1977 film starring desi arnaz right Robert yeah,
1: desi, yeah no
0: <laughs> oh, damn it how about uh, the 1996 with benicio del toro
1: not that one either
0: oh shit how about the 2000 directed Swiss Joyride? Man, I watched all these fucking joyrides this week.
1: I know, me too. I was like, well, eventually we're going to get to the one that we were in, I guess the the, the 2005 beginning? Dutch one? Yeah, I saw that one too. The Twilight that's, Zone that's episode? Not it. <laughs> the Outer Limits episode? I know.
0: There's so many joyrides. No. Nah, you know what? We're going to bring this back to fucking family.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. Paul Walker. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, dude. That's fucking hilarious so we're talking about 2001's joy ride appropriately well, named too <laughs> i'll
0: agree with that we'll get to that a little bit more later when we talk about how this made us squeal but joy ride kind of a nap title yeah i think so let's see before we get into the synopsis for this movie I had you smoke on some cherry pie. Mm. I realize we forgot this last week, but that's because last week we were still we just were on so the on the Magoo and <laughs> on that silver tip again. So Yeah, so
1: we were a little out there. But this week I brought some PERP. I don't know exactly what strain. It was a care package I got for my recent birthday. So both of these are kind of like putting me in the zone. Dude, that cherry pie, I'll do it. Man, that cherry pie is kind of a pretty bud. It it's is. not my
0: favorite of all time, but looking at it, it's super pretty. Yeah,
1: that one you have to be a little careful, because you don't realize, like, you'll get locked in. Oh, damn, we almost got couch locked before I know, I was like, again. oh, shit, but I liked it. Anyway, so a synopsis, a
0: spoiler-free synopsis, since we're in the guts and bolts, and we're here to talk about what went into this movie, not what it's about yet, but let me think. Two brothers? Fuck with the wrong trucker. <laughs> Mother Trucker. (laughs) And from then on, it's a race for their lives. Kind of. It's not really a race, but you get the point.
1: Yeah. We're (laughs) using some puns here. (laughs) It's no big deal. But yeah, good basic kind of idea of what this movie entails. Also, Lily Sobieski. Yes, which I'm a huge fan of as well, which was, that's always a plus in these kind of films. So with that, we like to talk about the people who go into making the film, and this week we've got... Really cool director. We've kind of mentioned him briefly a few times, but this gentleman is John Dahl, and he is actually a Montana native. He's from Billings.
0: I saw that shit. I, I wanted to point that out. He hasn't done all like the coolest shit in the world. Like, it's not bad. Like, Rounders is
1: good enough. Yeah, he's got some really cool films to his name. So some of those are like some to... fucking episodes of TV that are pretty yeah, dope. and that's why we saw a Breaking Bad, an episode of Arrow. There's one we talked about for like fucking three weeks. (laughs) Yeah, so he did two episodes of Hannibal back in 2013 and 2015 as well. Now, he went back, and when you look at some of the films that he directed, you can look at some of the films such as Kill Me Again. There was a Nicolas Cage film, Red Rock West. He also directed The Last Seduction. You mentioned he directed an episode of Breaking Bad. That episode is entitled Down from 2009. He's directed four episodes of True Blood from 2008 through 2010. He's also directed 16 episodes of Dexter. That was from 2008 through 2013. He's also directed Ray Donovan.
0: You know Dexter a little bit better than I do. Did you recognize the names in any of those episodes when you were taking a look at them? I, I didn't trying really to look figure at the out...
1: episode names, to be honest. I just know that he directed those 16.
0: I was trying to figure out if any of them were ones that I liked. There's a couple that I clicked on, but okay. the ones I clicked on were from seasons that I didn't watch.
1: If you want to read a few, I, I can probably maybe give you an idea. Uh,
0: his first episode was The Lion Sleeps Tonight.
1: Which season? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know say? what season
0: that one is. Lion Sleeps. I'm not sure if I know that one. Here's one that I know the season of that okay. he did. Those kind of things. Which is the first episode of the sixth season.
1: I probably do. I just haven't seen those in a while. He
0: also did This Is the Way the World Ends, which is the final episode of the sixth season, where it's Dexter confronting the doomsday killer.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> Alright. Since we're talking about this, I know we're nerding out a little bit, but Dexter for a lot of like fans of the series will probably say up to season four is probably the better half. Of the entire series, because part of it had to do with the fact that there was a writer's strike. And then there was also like a change of writers on the show. And so you could feel like a shift in the way that the narrative goes. So season four had John Lithgow in it. And that was the Trinity killer, I believe. And man, that shit was good, dude. (laughs) That shit was good.
0: Lion Sleeps Tonight was season three. Okay. The season three, episode three. Nice. So that's one I would have seen. I saw through season three.
1: What was the synopsis on that one?
0: miguel continues to press his unwanted friendship on dexter who has other things to worry about primarily a child molester who has his eye on aster
1: okay yep that's pretty interesting i'm sure i mean i've seen all the episodes (laughs) i'm just curious i I knew
0: that you knew it a little bit better than me so i was kind of curious if any of those would have jumped out at you dude i
1: like a lot with music too it's like i can probably tell you what track it is but man i'm bad with song titles Mm i really am It's just, I know which track I like, but, no, it's cool, man. Like I said, he's got some really interesting credits to note, but not moving too much further along from Mr. Doll, but we have a few writers on here. One of the guys I have written down is Clay Tarver. Now, you might recognize his works if you're a fan of Silicon Valley, because he has written five of those episodes from 2014 through 2018. And for people who are fans of the movie Dodgeball, but it has been announced that there's going to be a sequel, Dodgeball Part 2, hmm. that he's going to be writing on. So I was like, cool, man. And the other writer that we have is huge name for several reasons, but the other writer is J.J. Abrams.
0: I had no fucking idea this was a J.J. joint. I know. It's crazy, is it? We went back to look at it again. It's
1: like, fuck, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that way back when. I wouldn't even guess guessed it had we talked about it before either, but it's pretty cool, man. So J.J., huge name for several reasons. For those who are Trekkie fans, I mean, he was a producer. What did he direct? Any the of the new track? The what is it? The Kelvin timeline? Yeah, dude, it's like all those. He's a producer on Lost. Let's uh, see, directed Force Awakens. Yeah, doing the
0: upcoming Star Wars as well. Armageddon. He's got I can... huge. I think he in his wrote name. Armageddon. I don't think he directed. I think that was a Michael Bay joint. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you that. Uh, He did Mission Impossible 3. Cloverfield. Yeah. I mean, you've talked about some of the television series. He did an episode of The Office. Cocktails? Yep. It's pretty awesome. There is a film I do like. It's called Super 8. For those who are fans of, like, kind of throwback to childhood nostalgia. It's a pretty good movie, too. I've seen it before. But, yeah, he's done that. I mean, he's produced a lot of series. He just got his name on some huge projects lately, specifically the Star Wars franchise.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's huge. It's J.J. If you yeah, don't know if you don't JJ know that name James, by now. Go
1: educate yourself on fucking pop culture. I know, right? What's up with Jake, that,
0: dog? Don't make us do all the work. <laughs>
1: all right. So those are our writers. Our cinematographer on this film is Jeffrey Jur. And when you look at some of the titles that he has directed, he's got a wealth of films. But some of the ones that kind of jump out was he's a cinematographer on Dirty Dancing. He was a cinematographer on The Last Seduction, which is a John Dahl film. He was a cinematographer on several episodes of the series I've mentioned several times, but Carnival. He's also the cinematographer on the film Bessie, which was a Queen Latifah joint. He's done several television series. I mean, just some really cool works. So it's a pretty big name on this project as well. Our editors, there's actually four gentlemen who were the editors on this. I was like, wow, that's saying a lot. But when you look at their works, it's like, oh, I can see now why. But I'll lead off with, Eric L. Beeson, now he's been an editor on such films as Don't Breathe, we talked about Raimi before, For Love of the Game, The Possession, I mean he's got like some pretty cool shit man, he's done stuff for Justify, the television series, if you're familiar with that, The Education of Charlie Banks, which is a pretty good film, another baseball movie, The Rookie, if you're familiar with that, Captain Nuke and the Bomber Boys, like that was pretty interesting, Blood Fist Part 3, so some pretty cool works. The next person I have is Scott Chestnut. Now, he was known for editing. He didn't get really credited, but he did Express Yourself, the Madonna video. Yeah, I was like, whoa, that's pretty dope. Uh, He was also responsible for Red Rock West, which I mentioned as a John Dahl. Dahl. Also, Rounders, You Kill Me, and Unthinkable. Hmm. All right, the next person I have, we've actually talked about before, but this is Todd E. Miller. So he was a part of the editorial department on, like, The Island, Transformers, Armageddon, The Rock, things like that. But when I look Michael back... called Bay Joints? <laughs> we've actually talked about him before because he was the editor on The Purge, Election oh, Air. okay. It's like, oh, pretty cool. He's on Anarchy as well, The Expendables Part Two, The Mechanic. So, I mean, he's got some other cool films, too, along with that. But we have talked about him before. And The Last Person... On this was Glenn Scantlebury, and he edited Con Air. Yeah, it's like which some pretty is po- a fantastic Ma- movie, Michael Bay stuff. <laughs> I fucking love Con Air. Yeah, I mean, there's some good films, man. Armageddon was the other one. The Rock mentioned before. The Spirit of '76, pretty decent film. The Godfather Part Three. Ooh, but I think he they can't all be winners. Oh Well, I can say this one. I like this one. All right. Yeah. He edited Bram Stoker's Dracula, 1992. Oh. I'm a big fan of that, man. He did also the remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He was an editor on that. He was editor on Tropic Thunder, which I'm a fan of. Friday the 13th, the remake, which is decent. One that would kind of shit the bed was A Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. He's also done the Carrie remake, Teenage mm-hmm. Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2014, And the Billionaire Boys Club, more recently from this year. So, I mean, he's got some interesting mix of, like, action, a little bit of comedy thrown in, dramas, horror. So, you know, it's like, that's pretty cool, man. Moving along, I have a person we've actually talked about before as well. But the person who did the music on this was done by Marco Beltrami. And he's done such works as iRobot. He was a composer for that. He was a composer on a Brad Pitt film, World War Z. Live Free or Die Hard. You might have heard some of his music on that as well.
0: Or, of course, a movie we covered, Scream.
1: Yeah, that's like, I think he did all the way up to Scream 4, if I'm not mistaken. 310 to Yuma, The Hurt Locker. Logan, The Wolverine. Some people are huge Hell fans boy. of Triple X, <laughs> State of the Union. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say, hey, I'll
1: get down on Triple X, but State of the Union, you're starting to push it a bit. I know, I was fucking around. A Ron Perlman film, Hellboy? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, damn, dude. So he's got some really cool compositions and some really recognizable films. Like I said, we're no stranger, especially if you're a fan of Scream. All right, so moving along, the special effects team on this was Spectrum Effects. The producers were J.J. Abrams and Chris Moore. Production companies on this were Regency Enterprises, Epsilon Motion Pictures they were in association with, New Regency Pictures, Bad Robot, and Live Planet were also the production companies. The distributor for this film was 20th Century Fox. They helped with the 2001 United States theatrical release. It was released on September 9th, 2001 at the Canada's Toronto International Film Festival. It had a USA premiere date on October 5th, 2001. The budget was an estimated $23 million for this film, which is a pretty big budget. Opening weekend, it made $7.3 million. It grossed $22 million here in the States and $37 million worldwide. I have several taglines for this. It has a slew of them, but I chose three of them that kind of, okay. for me, kind of fit the bill. So the first one I have is it started as a joke. Now the joke is on them. Okay. Okay. All right, the second one I have is how much fun can you have when the joke is on you. I like that one a little bit more. And the third one, this is actually from the United Kingdom. Okay. Which we should mention also got a different title name. Oh yeah, Joyride. It did.
0: What did, what was it? It was uh
1: it was known as roadkill in the United Kingdom. Because they said that joyriding is not as pleasant as it sounds here in the states because that's more of like car theft you with your hood ass friends. <laughs> That's what I've always understood it as. I know. I mean, we do that here in the States, too. (laughs) That's what it means here in the States.
0: Yeah, that's a weak excuse, UK. Yeah. For changing the name to something so fucking generic. It was also renamed Although, I should have pointed out that, like, joyride's kind of
1: generic, as I already pointed. It kind of is. Uh, But it was also renamed that, as well, in Australia. So... For those who are listening in the United Kingdom and or Australia, we are talking about Roadkill. kill.
0: Well, uh, never play with strangers in Israel and Spain. Mm-hmm. Radio killer in Italy. Never talk to strangers in Greece. Road killer in Japan. <laughs> what a ride in <laughs> Russia. Jesus. Mortal frequent I like this one. Mortal frequency in Mexico. That's pretty dope. I like mortal frequency.
1: That makes sense.
0: Working titles of Candy Cane, Highway Horror, Deadly Frequency, and Squelch.
1: I heard that that was the working title Squelch was before, I guess, they chose Joyride, So, Huh, that's interesting, man. All right, so that's pretty much who I have as far as the people Mortal who were Fe- in the Mortal
0: Frequency pretty dope
1: title. I think that, yeah, I'd like to have a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's our crew. We have a pretty cool cast, so I'm going to lead off. Probably with the person who we probably should name second, but in my heart, he's number one. So number one, Steve Zahn. Yes, fuck yeah. First yeah, Steve Zahn is my biggest draw to this movie. Likewise. All right. So with Steve Zahn, he plays the role of Fuller Thomas. He's one half of the brothers in this film. And when you look back on his career, I'm gonna go back a little bit because Ben Stiller was a fan of his from I believe his theater days. And so what he did was he cast him in one of his early films, and that was Reality Bites. There's a film that you mentioned that you've seen probably upwards to 80 times or so. Oh, dude, fucking that thing you do. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Are you kidding me? I've seen so much Steve Zahn because of that fucking movie
1: (laughs) alone. Dude, I've seen it a lot. I haven't seen it 80 times. I've probably seen it close to a dozen times, though. You've got mail. I've watched that a number of times. There's a funny film that I actually
0: like. I caught it a few times. Forces of nature, dude. That shit was on TV a bunch. I've watched that. <laughs>
1: Happy Texas is one.
0: Actually, yeah. I never. I it's maybe a decent once, film, dude. Maybe once I saw it.
1: He did some voice work in Stuart Little. No, a film you and I are really big fans of. Fucking dude, Saving Silverman. Saving Silverman Jack Saving Black.
0: Silverman was like in my high school days almost like a meme. amongst like there was like two or three grades where everybody would seen that movie everyone was fucking quoting it
1: oh yeah dude that's fun when it's like that at school
0: yeah it was amazing everybody's in on the joke huge dude
1: I don't know how it was so huge but it was fucking huge it was a great film I think for me at least a lot of it had to do with the fact that Comedy Central played that movie a lot so it was on a lot in the early 2000s like I said I watched it just about every chance I could All right, so a few other films I have because he has a lot of films. You probably spent all day talking about him. He was in such films as Dr. Doolittle Part 2, Riding in Cars with Boys, a film that I think you and I probably like too. He was in National Security. He was in such films as Sunshine Cleaning. That was the first time I actually – I think I might have seen Amy Adams. Wow. Yeah, and it's a pretty decent film, man. I think it's worth checking out. Emily Blunt was in it as well. Some other really cool people. I dig me some nights of bad Aston. That was a good film, actually. So. It's pretty decent. One I mentioned to you, it's one of those polarizing films. Either you get the comedy or you don't, but he was in Strange Wilderness. I like that movie. It's fucking it's crazy. Some of our younger audience, maybe, might be familiar with him because he plays the father in the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series. Those films so that's pretty cool uh, that's weird to
0: think of him as playing a father yeah well I mean he's
1: like 51 no. that's true he is 51 that's crazy Yeah, that's fucking weird <laughs> there's a show I think I might have mentioned a few times but he was on HBO's Treme from 2010 oh. through 13 that was a really good series John Goodman was in it I think that's probably why I have mentioned it he was also in The Ridiculous Six Captain Fantastic and War for the Planet of the Apes so he's been in some pretty cool films and I think he might have even done some television stuff but, but mostly film work I have to admit... A lot of comedies. I kind of liked Ridiculous 6. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen it. It's
0: uh, one of the newer Adam Sandler ones.
1: I kind of liked
0: it. Nice. It was uh, a lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Taylor Lautner, for the most part, I was heard, really annoying. Yeah, I heard that. But right. even he had one scene that had fucking... It had me rolling. Like, was he Most swinging? the point he was... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was Most of, that. of the time, he was insufferable. Okay. But... He had
1: one scene where I was fucking. I was just. I seen a clip dying. of that. Yeah. Okay. Sweet man. All right. So the person that a lot of people probably now would be drawn in because of his fame and an unfortunate demise as well. Oh, I was going to say
0: because of his fame. I was going to say Jay Hernandez. Oh, well, that's pretty interesting too.
1: Because I would. I had no idea he was in this film.
0: Me, Marie. Wait, wait. Let's jump over Paul okay. Walker real quick. Where was the marine in this movie? It
1: was when they were knocking on the motel doors at the end. He was in the oh, upstairs. Oh, that's when the like two guys at the yeah.
0: party opened the door, but yeah. they were in uniform. Yep. Okay,
1: gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I definitely made note of that. I right, said so we're talking. I recognized the other guy that opened the door. Oh, I didn't know who the other guy was. The black guy. Yeah. His
0: name is Hugh Dane. He unfortunately passed away. Actually, only about six months ago. Oh shit! That's uh, He was Hank, the security guard in the office.
1: Oh no shit!
0: Damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, well, that's I funny. Immediately, fucking, when he popped up on screen, I paused it. I was
1: like, "It's fucking Hank." That's awesome. What the shit? <laughs> well, it's funny that we both recognized two different guys <laughs> in, in the, the same, same <laughs> in the same ten seconds. That's funny. That's fucking funny awesome okay so paul walker a right? huge name because of a franchise we've talked about several times the fast and the furious if you've ever seen one of those you've seen paul walker and pretty much all of them and i think his brother didn't he like take his part or i don't something? You know, I honestly can't remember, but i read something about that i
0: haven't watched the fast and the furious movies since they got good apparently the last like three or four have been just bonkers fun Huh. Like they've sort of embraced the fact that it's basically G- superhero <laughs> movies, except their superpower is driving cars. Yeah, that's funny. And I guess that's made all of the difference, huh. and that they are insane amounts of fun to watch now. But I have not watched them since they were not good, like Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> that might have been one of the last ones with Ludacris, and when you first mm-hmm. see him.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I watched three as well, but he wasn't in three.
1: Yeah, I and didn't I really watch a lot of think them. Be quite I funny. watched four, but I can't remember. My brother is a big fan of that series. I think he's seen pretty much all of them. But yeah, aside from that, we should mention the fact that he plays Lewis Thomas in this film. He's the brother. Of Steve Zahn's character in this film?
0: He's the main character.
1: Yeah, he is. I guess. Yeah, so... As much as I just wanted to be Steve (laughs) Zahn. Even though he's kind of a dick in this movie,
0: we'll get to that. I know, right? (laughs)
1: Geez. All right, so such films that Paul Walker's been in, he goes back a little bit too. He was in the film Pleasantville. There was a film, huge film, probably for both of us because we've mentioned it before too, but Varsity Blues. I fucking I went and saw that in theaters. I still remember going and seeing it yeah, that in movie theaters. Is, you talk a movie that was a big deal in high school, that was a huge deal yeah, for a I, lot of us. The fucking whipped cream bikini. Yeah. Fucking tan. <laughs> yeah. What was his, Lance? Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Lance. Got hurt. But it was a good film. I liked it a lot. He was not... You might have seen the film She's All That, which I'm guilty of seeing. I do like that oh, yeah, film. I
0: saw She's All That.
1: Yeah, he was in a really decent film with Pacey. He was in the film <laughs> The Skulls. I don't know if you ever saw that. I never did see The it's Pretty, It's decent. Yeah, yeah. It's not bad, man. He was also in Into the Blue with Jessica Alba. I did We've mentioned did see her before. Into the Blue. Yeah, seen it as well.
0: I did watch that.
1: He started doing a little bit more serious works. He did such films as Running Scared. He was in a film about, I think, sledding with eight below. He was in the film The Lazarus Project and the film Takers. And then like I said, unfortunately he passed away in a car accident, which is actually a huge coincidence. Huge irony.
0: <laughs> Dude, okay, I don't
1: I'm like I'm not I don't like to talk ill I don't, and dead. But... I don't wanna I I don't want to get into
0: spoilers and talk about the movie too much. Oh, I know what you're going to say. But we're we're talking about this for a second. And I kind of gasped a little bit when they ran into the (laughs) truth.
1: All right. Within that same sequence, there's some stuff I want to talk about later on, too, which is kind of a coincidence. I don't want to say funny, but it is a coincidence. I was like, what the shit? (laughs) I know, right? It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, but Paul Walker, I can't remember what, exactly how long. It wasn't that long ago, a couple years back. Yeah. Um, but it was like in November. I saw somebody post something about it. I was like, damn. It's been
0: like five years.
1: Yeah, but still, uh, it's...
0: 2013. It's
1: sad. There was a lot of films. When I looked at his catalogs, I have like, actually seen a lot of his films. And he's a pretty damn decent actor. You know, he really was. Just like I said, unfortunately, he passed away in that car accident. All right, so a couple other people I want to talk about. You've already mentioned her one time, but Lily Sobieski. She plays Venna Wilcox in this film, and she goes back a bit, too, because I saw her in such films as Jungle to Jungle. Have you ever saw that one? I did watch Jungle to Jungle, also in the theater. (laughs) It wasn't bad. She was in the film Deep Impact. She was also in the film Never Been Kissed.
0: I actually really dig the movie never been kissed it's I can, pretty decent man i can imagine lily in that movie in my head yeah. at a moment's notice like i am right now recalling <laughs> to her dressed up as dna that's funny drew barrymore that was a good film yeah. dude
1: one I of the, guys, the lead was
0: well i was gonna say that one of my fun little bits of trivia is one of the guys that was in together is in that movie oh that's
1: funny oh my god that's funny you mentioned that (laughs) i I used to watch the shit out of that show that was good yeah all right so some other films and projects that she was a part of is i was going to mention she was in a stanley kubrick film she was in eyes wide shut that's the
0: second thing i think of her in mostly because even though it was super arty farty when i was 13 years old and eyes wide shut would come on hbo late night there was a lot of tits so hell yeah
1: (laughs) see some titty There was a film that she came out with in like the early 2000s, but there was a film called The Glass House, which was pretty decent. Yeah, she was in the film Max. Some people might recognize her from her television work in Joan of Arc back in like the late 90s. She was also in Heaven's Fall. She was in The Wicker Man, Nick Cage Wicker Man. And even though she was in the Nick Cage Wicker
0: Man, she didn't get nominated for a Golden Raspberry until she was in In the Name of
1: the King, A Dungeon Siege Tale. Uh, a U-Ball joint. <laughs> well, yeah, U-Ball has a way of fucking up stuff for a lot of people. People might also recognize Lily in such films as 88 Minutes. She was in a Johnny Depp film, Public Enemies, and also the film Acts of Violence. The next person I have is Jessica Bowman. She plays the character... I think it's Uwe. Anyway. Uwe, yeah, German. Jessica Bowman, she played the character Charlotte Dawson... I think she was more known for her work in Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. She was on that television series for a while. She's
0: done like some... Dawson. I think she's most known in this movie for showing up for all of about 15 seconds. If that. Yeah, there's
1: (laughs) one scene in particular... And then pretty much uh, at the end. Uh, yeah, two seconds at the end. Yeah, and that's about it. So literally
0: missed it my first time through
1: this. There's project. a few people literally in this film that get credit. If you look at like the uh, Wikipedia page or database page, that literally are in it for just a few seconds. I'll make note of them, but I won't necessarily have to go into much detail about their catalog of films.
0: There's one really, really surprising member of this cast that I didn't get to see because I didn't watch the deleted scenes there are yeah, a number yeah. of uh since we're talking about sort of like what went into this movie there's like three other endings for this movie that we're not going to talk about because I, yeah. I I mean, read I, about them but i, I read about them. them but i didn't watch actually them.
1: i did see one on youtube there is one in particular on youtube that i did see
0: plus other deleted scenes and one of those involves a cop played by walton goggins i know, i saw
1: that like damn for real
0: I was like, give me more Walton Goggins. Fuck He's yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, like, that was also at a time too where... I had no idea who Walton Goggins was. Yeah, I don't think was. a lot of people probably knew who he was, but he was just on the verge. Just mm-hmm. on the verge of that. But, yeah, some of the other people I have were Stuart Stone. He plays Danny, which he was in it for like, it's the same, for like 10 seconds. He gets credited as Lewis's roommate. And I looked at some of his stuff. He's got some pretty interesting credits to his name, even though he was in this for like Ten seconds. I'll mention a few of them. He was in Donnie Darko. Yeah. He was in The Boys Club, which that was a Devin Sawa film, who we've talked about in Idle Hands. He was also in The Thrillusionists. So he did a lot of, like, Canadian work. So if you're familiar with him because he was Canadian, you've probably seen some, like, coming-of-age films, some teenage-centered TV series and stuff like that. But
0: I got one. Yeah. We mentioned before how big and powerful the Supernatural fandom is. And Jim Beaver shows up in about a 30 second amazing speaking role, just chewing out the boys. Yeah. Jim Beaver, of course, uh, Bobby from Supernatural. So
1: it's pretty awesome, dude. There is, let's see, oh, there's a few other people I want to talk about. So, since we're going to talk about two different people playing the character of Rusty Nell, the first person I'll mention is Matthew Kimbrell. Like I said, he is pretty much the physical embodiment of that character, but he was in such films as Biloxi Blues, which I like that film. He was in Fletch Lives, oh. for people who are fans of Chevy Chase. He was in the film American Beauty, Aaron Brockovich, Catch Me If You Can, the film Noble Son. he was also in the film Bottle Shock, The Limey and The Company You Keep, and the voice of Rusty Nail, was done by Ted Levine, or Ted Levine. And we've talked about him for one reason, and there's another big bad reason, too. Now, we
0: talked about Ted, and you can go back to us talking more about him in our Hills Have Eyes remake episode, because he was in that. Yes, he was. However, we would be remiss in not mentioning (laughs) the fact that all of pop culture probably knows Ted, thanks to the fact that he was Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs. A.K.A.
1: Put the Lotion in the Basket. Yeah.
0: He will forever go down in film history because of that, and all these other people we've been kind of making fun of for showing up in Jesus. like ten seconds in the movie. He's potentially the biggest part of this movie. You never and see him, probably put in the least amount of time of anybody. Gosh, man, that would have been he a could have done his entire
1: part in one afternoon. I'm sure recording he on a fucking did. microphone. <laughs> yeah, probably did. But still, it's like, damn, that's dope, man. We get to talk about him several times now. Right. A few other people have. You've already mentioned Walton Goggins. If you want to go back and hear any other credits with Walton, check out our House of a Thousand Corpses episode. Jay Hernandez, we talked about, played a Marine in this. For those, we haven't talked about it. I think we've mentioned it, but if you're familiar with the Hostel franchise, he was in we'll the first Hostel. Yeah. yeah, we'll eventually first get there. First and second, wasn't he? He was not part of the second one, mm-hmm. yeah. Not very long. And you've already talked about Jim Beaver. He played Sheriff Ritter in this. There's some other people in this film I'll kind of talk about it a little bit more in the next section just because of the reference back to certain movies so I'll get into that a little bit further but yeah that's pretty much rounds out our cast and crew we gave you a brief synopsis we gave you some taglines we should give you some warnings it's kind of a horror thriller,
0: it so is. there's just sort of an overall sense of dread and terror that they're trying to build in you. Yeah, think I think that's
1: kind of where a lot of the horror probably comes from. There is a little bit, a little bit of gore.
0: A little bit of gore, a little bit of language. Yeah, Mostly the dread
1: of, like, being hunted, though. Yeah, you're right. That's where a lot of the dread and tension and fear kind of comes into play. I kind uh, think what else. There is a little bit of nudity. Oh, yeah. There is. <laughs> Some naked behinds. Trying to think, not very much violence, if at all, not very much
0: on screen. Yeah, not hardly any. No. A little bit towards the end, but not.
1: Yes, yeah, a very. Solid, which is funny when you think about this film, how much of that tension it draws. That's where, like I said, the if you if you don't like that kind of stuff, if you don't like films that have that cat and mouse game, you're probably not going to be up your alley. No mm-hmm. puns. But outside of that, that's pretty much all you have to really concern yourself with.
0: Yeah, I agree. God, let's kick this into gear yeah. go on a joyride. God, what's happening to me? Oh God, where am I? Why am I hearing these things? Oh God, what, what's going on? Oh Jesus, come on. Oh my God, what's what's going on? Where where am I? Oh gee, why? why? Come on, somebody, somebody. Ah, come on, come on, come on. Come on, somebody. Ah, sir. You must listen somebody, somebody's to Somebody's there. Quit resisting. Somebody's gotta be there. I will you shock oh, come on. you. Ah! Sir. Come on, somebody, Sir, you must you listen on, to me. Sir, I only have one question. How does that make you squeal? Alright, here we are. Gonna actually talk about fucking Joyride. And we're gonna get a little bit more high. <laughs> That's always fun. And I'm drinking a little bit too, actually. Yeah, you showed me what you had. Maybe you yeah, should just, talk uh, about it a little bit, yeah. Shaxberry Ping Pong Cider. It's a dry hopped with citra and amarillo. What's your it's, verdict? I, it's not bad. It's a little bit more like a kind of sweet beer rather than a kind of hoppy cider. Gotcha. Which I was kind of hoping for a hoppy cider rather than a sweet beer, but it's also <laughs> not a bad taste. So. Well, cool. It's interesting. Whatever. It's, yeah. Well, you mentioned... Drinkable. Drinkable. There but the go. fucking, I mean, the, the label's dope. Yeah, that's to, what I was going
1: to say. The labels on those cans are fucking awesome. Yeah,
0: I had a different Shaxbury yesterday, the Vermonter, that is right over here. And both of these cans look like something out of fucking Wes Anderson movies, So <laughs> They do, they really do, but they look good. I like this Ping Pong better than the Vermonter. Okay,
1: that's good to know. Yeah, for those who are maybe cider fans or want to break away just from the basic cider side of beer, yeah. Yeah, so I'm drinking and driving with
0: this joyride.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I think part of the reason, too, that we chose this film, I was a little bit influenced by a co-worker, and he had me thinking about this film after up, he made a Buck? comment. Yeah. If Buck, if you're listening. You, you're you not. Can, you're probably not. But for whatever reason, in case you are, you're a huge influence on in why we chose this film. But because of the holiday seasons... We're getting a lot of product in that involves candy cane. And he passed me with a box in his hand, and then he did the whole candy cane. I was like, that's funny, dude. I asked him if he had ever seen it. He's like, no, I've never seen it, but I know the reference. Okay, so
0: I was going to bring that up. This movie's a weird touchstone for people literally, I think, like, right in our age range. Absolutely. From my age to right up about your age, since you're a little bit older than me. Somehow, almost everybody that was like, because that would have been about high school for when this movie came out, everyone knows the candy cane. Yeah, it is
1: kind of a weird way of looking at that. You
0: put five random people from that age range in a fucking room with like a voice distorter.
1: And somebody is going to pick it up and say Candy Cane into it. Yeah, I would imagine so. It'd be tempting put a CB radio in front of them. It's going to happen, dude. Yeah, you're right. Because it came out in 2001, it was like the year after I graduated. But there were a slew of these style of films that were coming out that were kind of targeting our age group. And this was definitely one that I watched quite a few times during that time period.
0: And that's what I kind of remembered this movie as. So let's get into this a little bit. We both discussed before we watched the movie that it's probably been over a decade since i watched it. Yeah, it's been a hot season. minute. I figured it's been at least since 2002, at the latest 2003 since I've
1: watched it. I probably saw it, even when I say more recently, somewhere in the mid-2000s, but not in this decade. The last time I saw this, this was another one of those movies I've talked
0: about before. It was a perk from my mom working at the convenience store yeah. that rented movies. Once it got old enough, I was able to take it home for free. Sweet. I remember that that's how I watched it. I didn't remember much more till I was actually watching this movie. As I was watching it, the memories came flooding back. And the memory that came flooding back was when I watched this back in high school, I didn't finish it.
1: Oh, no shit. I fell asleep. Huh.
0: You want to know where I fell asleep?
1: Can I take a guess at one yeah. spot? Maybe around the truck stop scene where they get naked? No,
0: this is going to blow your mind where I fell asleep. I fell asleep almost exactly 11 minutes from the end. Oh, damn. When Steve Zahn got impaled on the okay. fucking hook yeah. thing. No shit. You were almost over, almost over with it. I was almost over with it. And I fell asleep.
1: I've done that with a few films. You get like right there at the end, you just got to zone out. And, zone and
0: I was... Pulling a lot of all-nighters, playing video games at the time, and the only reason I'd go and, and rent those movies was because I could. <laughs> we didn't have Netflix, yeah, you. you know what I mean? Like it was that or watch VH1. I love the '90s for the 60th time. I was guilty. I love me of some fucking I love the '90s, but if I can go rent a movie for free, yeah, you're gonna take that. I'm gonna take that, but it doesn't mean I'm always gonna stay awake for it.
1: That's a good point. Just because it's free doesn't mean I'm gonna watch the whole thing. That's right. <laughs> But I can understand, but yeah, dude, you were so close, I was so close to the end. But still, I mean, it meant that
0: I did see most of the fucking movie before. So good point.
1: Yeah, so going back, there were a lot of parts that I'd forgotten about because they weren't like one of those standout moments in the film. But when some of those scenes kind of jumped out, it's like, oh yeah, I definitely remember this. I remember, you know, this particular scene, etc. So yeah, it was a fun way of going back and watching this and then filling in the blanks on the scenes that I'd forgotten about. So, oh, uh, that reminds
0: me. That's the point I was going to get at, though, is I remember from the time period this being sort of one of those horror movies that was kind of marketed towards our age group, more like the high school crowd, even though it's like a rated R movie. It was like, here's Paul Walker and Steve Zun yeah, exactly. and Lily Sobieski, who's only like four years older than me.
1: Yeah, I, I looked at Something that. stupid like that's that. That's like, like,
0: Paul Walker we're was... extremely close in age, and I never realized that till way later, but...
1: Yeah, it is funny looking on it now. Like, yeah, they weren't mm-hmm. that much older. Steve's on, yeah, he's he's a little bit older than us, but you're right, Paul Walker and Lily were within just a couple of years of both of us. hmm And so it was like, oh, cool, like... Yeah, you can relate to that.
0: Watching it now was a way weirder experience, because... <laughs> This isn't a 2000s or 90s horror movie. This no. is like a 70s horror movie. It
1: really is. And for a big, bad way, and you know, we'll definitely talk about that, but it does have more of a feel of, yeah, late maybe early, late 70s and maybe even early, mid-80s mm-hmm. kind of style. Yeah, the thriller. I mean, it beats. was
0: influenced by Duel, right? When yeah, was that's what I'm going to say. Yeah,
1: 71, that was Steven Spielberg film, and J.J. J. Abrams talked about the fact that it was a huge influence on this film you he can't help but notice that but it also reminded me a little bit of the hitcher as well which we've absolutely. talked about. you know
0: absolutely reminded me a little bit of the hitcher reminded me of the fact that there was just that weird cb and <laughs> trucker craze in that time period
1: yeah in across our nation
0: weird. with fucking god what was the name of that song the oh i can not tell you oh, i told god. you i'm bad with song titles dude god damn it <laughs> i know but, I mean, not just one song, though. Like, there was, like, an entire yeah. genre of just, like... And it was, like, those... Like, not singing. I'm saying it's a song, but they weren't singing. I know what you're saying. It was the weird talk country.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Where they're about. just telling you stories about fucking trucking. <laughs> I was going to see, man, this is going to sound fucking silly. It's like going into a Waffle House and hearing one of their songs. It's like, it's country, but it's not really country. Because it's, it's telling you... I mean, I guess it's what country songs are... Which is telling a story anyway.
0: But there was that weird genre of saying. country that was around for a while, <laughs> that's a while where it was funny, just dude. people kind of talking over a track.
1: Yeah, one of the country music's in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Me and uh, Smokey Bear went down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I will say this too, man is hearing some of the lingo on the CB, I was like, yeah, that's good. They're hitting the marks on those. But. You're right. If you're familiar with either one of the films we just mentioned, Duel, or The Hitcher, you're going to feel right at home with this film. It's like if they had a baby, it would be Joyride. This movie, I mean,
0: like I said, it feels kind of like a 70s horror movie, and it's also a weird crossover of times because I associate the people that are really big into Paul Walker (laughs) as being about five years younger than me.
1: Huh, no shit. Yeah, that's a good point, too, when you think about those the films that came after. We've already mentioned the Fast and the Furious stuff, so yeah.
0: I mean, we loved him in Varsity Blues and shit. Yeah, exactly. That's was, where I think of him from. But it's the Fast and the Furious movies that made yeah, him $600 million, million dollars, you know what I mean? Yeah, Stupid amounts of money. They made him an international, international star, star as well, yeah. As well. So I associate the people that are really into Paul Walker with being like five years younger than me. I can but see that. But here's Late a Tony's. movie with Paul Walker... Pre-all that stuff. Using a CB radio. <laughs> yeah.
1: There are a lot of things that are uncanny in this film that lends its hand right into probably why he got the role. And being stuck to talking to Lili <laughs> on landlines throughout it. So, oh, my gosh. I, I made a note of how many times he's on the fucking phone in this movie. It's crazy, dude. movie was <laughs> such a weird fucking trip gosh. being like Paul Walker. Yeah.
0: Having... Not using it because of the time period this was set. (laughs) Having to use a landline because this was before cell phones were mainstream. They were around. You're
1: right. They weren't mainstream. But they were not anywhere close to what they are now, of course. I mean, it's crazy how many people own cell phones. But you're right. He uses the landline a lot. Not only landline phones, but pay phones on top of that. Yeah. Damn. I was like, man, they're really... Putting that, I I liked it because it put me right back in that time period. So, oh yeah, this is right at home for that late '90s, early '2000s kind of style of films that were coming out.
0: Another thing, and we'll get into the movie a little bit because this happens kind of early in the movie, and it's really what sets it off. After he picks up Steve's (laughs) on the the line, you fucked with someone in a
1: chat room, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh, he is talking about AOL for me (laughs) in the late '90s. I used to fuck around a lot too much yeah, in AOL chat rooms. To, I used to fuck around on Yahoo chat rooms. That's funny. I was, yeah. Dude, the internet was a
0: scary place back then. That made me start thinking about it. Like, it was. Those chat rooms were wild extremely West. unmoderated for the amount of people that were getting on them.
1: You're not lying either. Yeah, Yahoo chat, AOL chat, if you had AIM and all that stuff. If you like talking shit and just being a major troll, that was like stomping grounds back then.
0: A S L, Tyler. Oh, oh my God! I was about to say that. It's like without fail, fucking rusty nails sixty nine. Oh, a S L.
1: No. Oh God. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ! Shit, I knew I shouldn't have logged in as Candy Cane. <laughs> I haven't thought about A S L in so long, man. For those who might not know, we're to my age, sex, location. <laughs> that was such a popular. I mean, before I knew what L O L and all that stuff was, I think I knew what A S L meant. Oh, absolutely I knew what ASL meant before LOL meant. That's fucking nuts. That's bonkers thinking about that stuff. But you're right. It was like, man, it was just kind of like a, a fish in the water, man. Dude,
0: I knew what, I knew an ASL meant before I knew what BRB meant.
1: Oh, yeah. All that shit, man. I, I mean, I'm guilty having to look up a lot of that stuff.
0: There was one point in my early days of being online where I thought BRB was bathroom break, not be I can right see that. back. Yeah. Which is almost the same thing, but not I mean, quite.
1: Even though it's misconstrued,
0: it still and I has was the always, And I was always kind of weirded out, like, fuck, I don't need to know that. Like,
1: I know, right? I don't need to know you taking I that brought shit that up to break. somebody,
0: too, at one point. I remember that. I don't remember how I brought it up. I just remember that I brought it up. And somebody was like, the fuck? Like, why do you think I went to the bathroom? I was like, BRB.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what, is, what else are you doing? <laughs> That's funny, dude. Well, you're right. This film does have... For me, it does have a special place in my heart of hearts i suppose because during that time period too i was honestly kind of getting back into horror films there was a little bit of a lull between for me probably around 13 through maybe like 16 17 where i wasn't i was more in a comedy at that time and then i think when scream and some of those other films start coming out like these kind of films yeah it got me right back into it so i was on that upswing of getting back in a horror film. So this one fell right in line with it.
0: All right, so let's get into the movie okay. just a little bit, and maybe I'll guide where we go. Awesome. After watching this movie the first time, I didn't know how many notes I'd even be able to take, because it's kind of a simple movie. It really is. Paul, I don't even care about their fucking character yeah, names. Yeah, Walker. his Walker.
1: Lewis Lewis and Fuller. I had to look him up a couple of times, too, because of that. Can I point out that I hated... Zon's Zahn's name. Fuller. Fuller Thomas. <laughs> Fuller's
0: a last name for me. Like, it's hard. I hate... I know you're saying. I mean, that. Thomas, I've heard it a lot as a last name, but I still think of it more as a first name. Like, Thomas Fuller is a way better sounding name to me than Fuller
1: Thomas. I, for a long time, <laughs> before I wrote my notes, I almost put down Thomas a lot. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for him. I guess, for, for argument's sake and make it simplistic, we just call him Paul and Steve or Zon and or Walker. and Steve and Lele, Yeah. Because fuck Venna. <laughs> I'm like, that's wasn't a big fan of that name. Hey, well. hey, so Nothing yet people who are named Vena. It's
0: just Right, plus Vena kind of felt right in the time period, though, because it's 2001, so we're coming straight out of the 90s, where you have an amazing sitcom where the love interest is named Topanga.
1: <laughs> Good point. Damn, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Vena, like, I can deal with I can, it. I can understand but... it. Yeah, I mean, we both, we get it. <laughs> we get it. It still was, yeah,
0: I don't know. I didn't care for any of their character names and that's something really weird to say but it's a <laughs> yeah. weird critique but
1: but you're right it is kind of it's weird because you don't really connect with it I guess with those names
0: I will say also for clarification I am the type of person who when I boot up an RPG will spend 40 minutes thinking of the right name for my character and how I intend to play them so Good point. But maybe, that's a lot maybe more that's personal. Just my own, yeah, maybe that's just my own little quirks, but
1: <laughs> I think that we can agree to that. I, I mean I'm kinda of guilty of that too <laughs> for the same reasons.
0: Okay. But Steve Zahn's the fuck up.
1: Hence Paul Walker, sheep, right? yeah.
0: Paul Walker is on his way out of the friend zone and he knows it.
1: Yeah, he better make his move now. But he know, yeah, but he knows he needs to
0: fucking make his move. So he's wanting to go pick up Lily, yep. has to pick up his fuck up brother his fuck-up brother decides to get them to fuck with the
1: trucker. Exactly. Well, before they even pick her up, of course, I thought it was kind of funny because it was like, okay, that explains how the fuck they got the CB in the first place. Is Yeah, after Paul Walker picks up Steve down in Salt Lake... The first stop they make, gassing up, I guess, is Steve talks the mechanic into putting that CB in for 40 bucks. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. It also makes sense, too, for later scenes as well. If An argument I've seen that people make, it's continuity errors. But I think knowing some of the physical details of the car helps maybe with some of those. And I'll explain oh, later. Okay. But yeah. But that was like, okay, that at least establishes where the fuck they got the CB in the first place. And then I
0: thought it was kind of weird that he had him install the CB. Yeah. But then I thought it made sense just a scene later when he knew that his brother, Paul Walker, made it clear from the get-go that he's kind of in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why the fuck are you blowing 40? Do you even have $40? Did you just spend Paul Walker's money? That's a good point.
1: Yeah, we don't know what he had on his possession at that time.
0: Like, you might have just spent your brother's money and had him install that CB, so you better make it worth it. But then, the very <sighs> next scene, he's using it to find out where the fucking Smokies are. Kojak with a yeah, Kodak. there's a Kojak with a Kodak.
1: I like. it, But he it, got man. about 40 miles, so. Yeah, so that's why I like some of the lingo in this. It's like, he sold it that he knew the CB lingo for truckers. It was yeah, good. And
0: I thought that fit with his character, too. He's supposed to be in and out of jail and just sort of a con man, fuck-up drunk. But that comes with its own set of skills, and learning that shit seemed kind of natural. So Yeah, and
1: I like that. It did feel natural. It didn't feel forced. And I like that, too, for a few reasons. Number one, and I wanted to ask you this, too. Not necessarily on CBs, but growing up, did you ever prank people on phones? On phones, no. Uh, phones or just... It doesn't necessarily have to be phones, but just in general. Like, Phon- pranking people.
0: Dude, fucking phones, no. But, like, Steve's on asking him. Like, you fucked with people in chat rooms, right? Like, fuck yeah, I fucked with people. Yeah, yeah. Dude, you know how many hours I spent in chat rooms? Of course I <laughs> fucked with people in chat rooms. Like, <laughs> uh,
1: well, yeah, I'm totally guilty of that. We just mentioned that. But one thing I was thinking of, too, and this is good. I But
0: of... I never was, was daring enough to... To take it to the phones because I knew
1: I knew how phone bills worked. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So I, my brother and I, especially in the '90s, there was a huge reference for me specifically, more so than him. But I got into the Jerky Boys back in the early '90s, like I want to say, like fifth grade, which would've been like '92, '93, up until like mid '90s. But anyhow, there was a time period where my brother and I we would just randomly look through the phone book, pick out a name. And then crank them with shit we had heard on the Jerky Boys or just, you know, like random jokes you'd hear before about (laughs) like All right, one I will give away is there was an Asian family that didn't live too far away from where we were living. But they didn't know who we were and we didn't really know them. But anyway, we found out that one of their family members' names were Ben. And it was like a direct punchline for us. (laughs) So we would ask for Ben. It's like, is Ben there? And they would... They're like, Ben not here. I was like, Are you sure Ben's not there? I was like, We're looking for Ben over. <laughs> you know, and hit him with like mm-hmm. Bend Over who? You know, hit him with all that shit. But there came a time, man, where it got bad, like we were whew, we were doing a bunch of shit on the phones. We weren't supposed to. We never got in trouble, thankfully. Mm-hmm. But I was like, That's funny because that's the central premise of this is those kind of pranks going really bad on its head.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, so they're fucking with Rusty now, right? Yeah.
1: Well, he gets Steve Zong gets Paul Walker to do hit a girl's voice, and he's reluctant, but when he does it, he sells it. Like he's in it. So he described bleedly, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. But did
0: you notice that? I yeah. r- immediately wrote that down. I'm yeah. like, "You motherfucker, what are you doing? You trying to get off to this too by describing the chick you're trying to get with?" He's my... like, "Well,
1: you know, way of the road boys." <laughs>
0: he's like, "Paul
1: rules of the road Paul,
0: no kink shaming but are you trying to get off by imagining this trucker getting off with the chick uh maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe <laughs> that you're trying to get off with. oh man it is
1: it's so funny like that scene when they first prank them it's good i liked it a lot because there's humor in it you feel a little a little dirty because of what they're doing and you know essentially what's going to happen because of that but it is really good it's they're playing off each other. It's funny. There's some funny lines that are spoken. Take off or bra. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he fucks with them a lot, man. He's like, God, these guys are horny." <laughs> Steve's on so
0: good in this. I did think it was funny, or not funny, but weird, <laughs> and kind of just movie-ish, for all other truckers to suddenly disappear.
1: Yeah, good point. And because they'd be all them. on the same channel yeah.
0: for the most part. Somebody's going to be trying to listen in. Yeah, like, else. fuck it. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you go ahead. But yeah, right. I did write a, a couple of those things down. Was Walker's cane-to-cane voice was, <laughs> was good. It was funny, man. I'm just getting to this point in the notes. Yeah, no and
0: I've already kind of pointed it out once. But as much as I love Steve Zahn, his character was a little bit too much of a dick in this movie. I was like, you motherfuckers have it coming to you.
1: <laughs> they really do.
0: I mean, he... He is a catalyst for all, unfortunately, all the bad shit that happens in this film. The only good thing is he tries to use his dickishness for some good things at some
1: points. Yeah, I mean, there is kind of a balancing act, I guess, with that, too. But for the most part, you're right. A little bit of his immaturity leads to those bigger consequences. Even though he's, he does have good intentions most of the time, he just he falls back on his bad ways. He's a joker through and through in this. Yeah, some of the things I wanted to mention, too, in this, you know, outside of, like, the prank calls and CB lingo and all that stuff, with too, and maybe there's a little bit with Lily's character in this film because of one thing in particular, right? And I was like, man, if they weren't targeting us, like, that demographic because of Opening these films. Opening up on her ass? Well, not only that, but how many times you saw nipple shots. Right. Okay. And not, like, bare nipples, but, like, hard nipples through the T. It's like, right, right. Not Bear,
0: but she's brawless in most of this movie. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's like they didn't make any bones
0: about it. And I kind of, like, I was like, okay, so this is <laughs> weird to just throw this blatant fan service at us from a really competent and good actress. But yeah, she is super talented. I then, when I was doing research after watching the movie the second time, ended up feeling a little bit bad about it. Because she's retired from acting and it's mostly to focus on her family.
1: Yeah, exactly. But one
0: of the quotes about her retirement from acting involved the fact that about ninety percent of movie roles involve having to do something sexual with another character, and she just doesn't really feel like doing that for her fucking job. And I, can and I was completely just, understand. And I understand it completely, especially when I was thinking about like, oh yeah, well they just had you brawless in that
1: entire movie, and I don't know if that was your choice. Exactly, and I think too, like I said, because it was geared towards a certain audience at that time as well. And she was a young, attractive actress. I mean, she's still attractive, but that's mm-hmm. not the point. The point was is that they were objectifying and sexualizing her. I mean, that's all there is to it in this film, you know. But aside from that, I did have that written down. There was a couple of things she did, which one that it's like it's another one of those social things that we do. Like almost everybody does it. We do it, it is the fist bumps i was like oh damn it goes back fist bumping goes back and she did it with steve on, on top of another thing not necessarily that we do i don't do it but kind of like the whole thing with women who can tie cherry stems oh right right and I'm not i was like okay they're doing that as well <laughs> you know which is cool i mean the oh. scene itself it's not sexualized it's just, it's it's in good fun and you know in good humor
0: one of the weird points in the middle part of this movie when they're all just hanging out that kind of muddles it up for some people that when I was searching around online, I noticed, but is explained by things that they shot that weren't used. there also were like I don't know if they were full on sex scenes oh, but I heard there about there were yeah. romantic scenes filmed between both, both characters with both characters, Paul and Steve, yeah. which is why not together differ-
1: with them, but <laughs> yeah yeah.
0: But which is why at different times in the movie, it kind of seems like she is a little bit into each of them. She definitely seems more like she's into Paul throughout the movie, but... Yeah,
1: the way that it's chopped up, you're right.
0: But there are a few times where it seems like she's legit in the Yeah. and that makes sense when you consider it kind of doesn't seem like they know what they wanted. It's like, we're going to give you multiple choices, and it doesn't (laughs) matter as long as it ends up in this spot.
1: What's kind of funny about that if you want to use that term i was it's thinking like a about choose your that. own adventure well i was thinking about this right too with like all right when you look at the character like paul right steve spells it out in the car ride and it's where it pisses paul off in the beginning is he's like you know you're in the friend zone kind of doing it on the sidelines and he's like you either make your move now or you're always going to be that guy chasing her and then there's scenes where Steve is like, you know, hey, man, if you guys are serious, speak up now. Otherwise, I'm going to make a move because with Lily, her character, her character's not going to wait around forever for Paul Walker's character. It's like, you either do this now or forget it. And Steve was picking up on that. <laughs> like, it's like, it is kind of fucked, especially because it was between brothers. But I was thinking, man, I have a brother. I know you got a brother. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucked up when you think about it. It's like a super dick move. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, I, uh, especially with family.
0: And my brother, so, he's not as big of a fuck-up as fucking Steve Zahn by any means. And, in fact, he's probably the one of us that has their life even more together at this point. But growing up, he was more of the fuck-up, <laughs> and he still wouldn't have
1: been pulling that shit. Yeah, it's like, there have been times where my brother dated, I mean, some pretty cute chicks. But, I, you know, on the back of my mind and in the forefront, too, it's like, I could never go beyond that bound of, like, you know... For whatever reason, it's like, that's just, I can't do that, man. Yeah. It's like, no matter how attracted you are to somebody, it's like, once it's like with a friend, especially a best friend or a family member, it's like, you just got to be the friend. <laughs> it's like, you don't cross that line, dude. But in this circumstance, though, you couldn't fault really any of the characters because nobody was committed either way. Right. It's just like, mm, that's dirty if it would have gone kept down. kept being to-. pussy. I know, dude. It's like, come on, dude. Dude. Oh, fucking... You After mean, she bought him
0: the hat, he was right
1: there. Steve Zahn made a great point. <laughs> he did. That's where you kiss the girl. I mean, yeah, it's awkward, but fuck it. <laughs> I know. I like how they use a little bit of that, though. Too. It's. I think what that does maybe is it builds a little bit more of the character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And gives you something maybe to latch onto. And it totally did for me. It had me thinking about those situations. It's like, man, that's fucked up. <laughs> I couldn't do that. Once they're in
0: the hotel, there's something I noticed. I didn't have any good words to describe what about them I liked. But I did start noticing that almost every interior shot in this movie, I really liked how they did.
1: Yeah. And especially
0: the scene when they're first hearing, like, what's going down in the next room with That's Rusty. That's really good, yeah. Rusty and the fucking giant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Big racist
0: giant. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Something about... I was like, holy shit,
1: what movie am I watching? This looks really fucking good. Yeah. But you're right. Whoever helped with the set design, they did a really good job. One thing I was noticing a lot, too, which I thought was really cool, because for a film like this, you don't really pay attention to it a lot. But I did like the use of mirrors and reflections in Mm. this film. There was a couple scenes in the motel scene specifically. And I think toward the beginning where you get a shot of Paul Walker on the bed from the mirror and Steve looking at him. And then when they switch positions, you get that same reflection, which it's just mirrored mm. off of each other. So I noticed that, like, I was like, I wonder what, I mean, I kind of know what the significance, what it's supposed to mean. But I was like, it's still kind of neat how they were doing this in this film. Like, I wonder if it, the intention was to you know, help you reflect on what these guys were going through or maybe seeing it from different perspectives, you know, different characters' perspectives. There's a scene specifically, too, with Steve's on. I can't remember exactly the scene leading up to it right offhand. But they stop. Oh, I know what it was. It was after they had the encounter. you <laughs> are you talking about? What Paul Walker slamming into the tree where they're getting the windshield fixed and stuff. And he's coming out of that rest stop or whatever. But he's looking in the mirror. And the mirror itself has, like, all these different stains and shit on it. So like, that's a really interesting shot. Not only, you know, the way it's shot, but... From that character's perspective, too, it's like a reflection on what he did and how it's affecting this entire plot, this entire film, his brother, and all the other shit in between. I was like, that's, I like that a lot in this film. I just thought it was really interesting that he did that in this film, whether it was a cinematographer or it was a combination of him and Dahl. God, I wish I would have written it
0: down, but... I wanted to point out as a piece of trivia, and I was just trying to confirm it, and I don't know if I can or not, because I didn't write down enough shit, I'm not going to look that's it okay. all up right now, because I'm fucking stoned. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure that Rusty Nails truck is one of the models that was used for one of the Optimus Primes.
1: Oh, that's pretty cool. I saw that. It was a Peterbilt 359? hmm Yeah, the truck. But I didn't know that. For Optimus Prime? One of the Optimus Primes. since
0: Because, I mean, there's been so many over the years now, but we all that, know that considering... he transforms into a truck so yeah okay so with that in mind though which would you rather have behind you show up on the road which would you rather have to deal with i guess because okay, okay. cause i'm going to assume that you didn't do things to fuck either of them up but i'm going to put them both on your tail anyway would you rather deal with the rusty nail or the creeper
1: oh damn good point and I know we haven't really talked about Jeepers
0: Creepers yet on the show, but...
1: But, you know, no, no, that's still a good point. That's a good argument, too. I, was, I almost thought you were going to ask me about The Hitcher. Like, mm. who would I rather have me tell? Mm. It's like, ooh, goddamn, that's a tough one. But Creeper, too, goddamn. No, I was just thinking of having the big, God mean damn. trucks on your ass. All right. I was thinking about another film, too, but we'll talk about this real quick. I think, for argument's sake, I would probably rather have Rusty Nail behind me, <laughs> to be honest. There's a couple scenes where I felt like they could have got out of their situations. It's just they were panicking, which it's normal in those situations. But I feel like I had better odds against Rusty Nail than I would against Creeper. That would be my answer. Have you thought I, about it?
0: I was kind of thinking the Creeper because I feel like he's more tied to a certain location. So as long as I was able to keep going in a direction, he'd eventually have that. to peel off. Yeah. Whereas Rusty, he's used to being out there. The open anyway. road
1: is his, yeah, no pun, but it's his highway. hmm Yeah, the only reason I'd say not the creeper because of that supernatural element. Mm-hmm. is like. I, mean, I know, and
0: that's what I was rubbing I up against, too. That. I'm like... Ooh, then I'd still be going up against a supernatural asshole, but still like yeah. I do feel like he's a little bit more tied to a location
1: and I see exactly what you mean. It's just I think either way you're just you're fucked for the most part. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you don't know if Rusty has other trucker buddies. You're right. You know, but the other film I was gonna mention that made me think a little bit, maybe not so much this, because it doesn't deal with a supernatural element, but was maximum overdrive oh, because okay. of the trucks. I was like, kind man, of a sci-fi element yeah it really the is track. too yeah i was like man it's just interesting how really outside of this film maybe even those few films in between it's like you don't really get a lot of that chasing mm-hmm. aspect from this point of view or from this narrative with trucks because man if you've ever been on an interstate that's about all you fucking see yeah you know, once you get in those open stretches especially out here dude i can testify to that because once you get out of from the east coast maybe the midwest once you get out of minneapolis and that area heading out here man that's a lot of lonely stretch of interstate and that's about all you see is truckers Mm -hmm. and i'm pretty sure there's been tons of shady shit (laughs) and those hundreds of miles of stretch in between the real creeper yeah it's like that is kind of where the real terror and horror lies is in those open roads man and that's kind of why i like this too and they make emphasis on it too like you don't know what happens out on the open road yeah and shit there uh there's never any cops in this stretch man it's fucking it's scary really is like mm-hmm. if there are certain states I'm, i don't have to make mention but man you get stuck out in the middle of nowhere you're kind of fucked for the most part you better hope you got some good friends
0: in a lot of places and now as to follow up that question can i try out some of your birthday
1: bud Oh, yeah, dude. Fuck, yeah. I want to get back to Venna for a second, Lili's character. I I mentioned the fact that they show her nipples a lot. I already talked about the cherry stem trick and the fist bumps. There was a few other things I thought were kind of interesting. Maybe not necessarily from her character, but just some of the interaction she had with other characters. And it's still in that bar scene is when those guys get up. One guy specifically say, hey, what's your name? And blah, blah, blah. Do you like peaches? And then Paul Walker comes out of the bathroom, and he hears the guy. He's like, is this your bitch? He does that speech, and then Steve saves the day. And I totally forgot about the scene. I was like, that's
0: clever. That was yeah. fucking good. Uh, and that's one of the scenes where I was thinking of, where, like, we kind of forgive Steve in this We're movie a, a little bit. Because he kind of uses his assholeness.
1: Yeah, he knows those situations how to get out of them. He is a con artist, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's street smart, is what they call it. <laughs> okay, so... Altercation happens in room 17. Mm.
0: And I have to ask, even if you're the type of person to ever describe things as comely.
1: <laughs> God damn.
0: anybody ever actually describe what's went down as, to somebody oh. as, well, it wasn't comely? <laughs> what were, were they in white? That what? was one of the most awkward phrases in
1: this I movie. I'm trying to think what state they were in. Were they still in Utah when that happened? Oh, I think so. Okay, and I was thinking, well, maybe that makes sense there. <laughs> <laughs> it is Utah. I know. And it's like, I know some of it took place in Wyoming and Nebraska, but I think they were still in between those Utah, Wyoming, those kind of states. So maybe a little bit. But from the cops, I doubt it.
0: <laughs> I don't think they would use that word. On that note, rather than what the boys did, after I see jaw. I get rid of the fucking CB.
1: Oh, instantly. Yeah, that's it. That happened? Nope, fuck that. Okay, so here's (laughs) what I want to talk about. We
0: got $40 worth out of
1: it. Yeah, we got our $40 (laughs) chuckle. (laughs) A lot more than we bargained for. But I was talking about those continuity issues that people have with this film. And part of it, I think, what helps us and the benefit we've talked about this before, at least I have, is the fact that we get to watch these films more than once in settings. Like, usually... Not always, but usually people watch a film once and that's, you know, that's the end of it. And draw your opinions and thoughts on that, but...
0: And even if they do watch it again, it's usually not within a couple days. Yeah, exactly. Or a day. Well, you, Precisely, I mean, dude. look, we've all been there. Yeah. Sometimes a movie just catches you, but...
1: I will say that I caught this film a little bit earlier in the week from my first viewing and then took my notes this morning, but... I was thinking about, okay, I wonder what they mean by these continuity errors, especially like, oh, how did the CB show back up in their car later on in the film? Or how did Rusty Nell know who these guys were in the first place? When the cops dropped him off. Even before that. Before that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the for po- me, the, the thing that caught my eye was the fact, okay... When they tell Rusty Nell that they're going to be in the hotel room as, you know, Candy Cane, and they just so happen to run into racist guy, it's like, oh, send him to room 17 with pink champagne. Well, after we find out that he, you know, abducts the guy or whatever, rips his jaw out and all that shit, is that he has to walk by their car, and that big-ass fucking antenna on the back of their car, as a truck driver, I'm pretty sure he recognizes that could be a CB radio antenna. And the fact, too, that he could have looked right down into their car and saw the CB radio in there in the first place, too. Mm-hmm. And that is after the fact that he learns that Candy Cane is not in there. He knows it's a prank at that point, And he's got his targets. But you're right, too. That maybe solidified it. When they dropped him off. The cops, that is. Because
0: you can see his truck in the background. They I made note, too,
1: that his truck's in a lot of scenes. His truck's in a lot it's of It's in the scenes. background,
0: but it's there. His truck is fucking Michael Myers in Halloween. That's
1: what I'm going to say. That's another thing, too, with that continuity thing, is that you might not realize that that truck is there in a lot of scenes. A lot of scenes. And it's like, that's fucking good. That's clever, dude.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he's on to them pretty quick. Yeah. Even if early on he doesn't 100% know it's them, and he's just kind of like circling, circling an yeah. area. Yeah. He sees enough to put them.
1: In that location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Steve's on, too, because Paul Walker asked at one point, you know, what is the range on these CBs? And he's like, at least five miles. So we know even if he's out five miles in that range, he can still be with a margin of error finding these assholes. Mm-hmm. And I was reading, too, with the LED lights on those CB, is that the way that they use the strength of the signal lets you know how con- yeah how close they are, are they say so how when, strong the signal when you get that, that strong signal you're they're pretty fucking close yeah so that was another clever thing too if you're paying a little bit more you know attention to detail
0: that for me it was Truck like a
1: grinder <laughs> oh my god yeah emphasis on the grinding part right all right so those were some of those continuity things that i was thinking about and then watching this film was like oh Not necessarily 100% that you can answer these, you know, all of these questions, but there's a lot of it. It's like, no, I can answer it because the truck was there and it passed and you just wasn't paying attention.
0: Look, we're going to skip to the end. The one that I have a question about is how did Charlotte not see him set up the body?
1: Oh, I see what you mean.
0: I think that's the only one that's not very well explainable.
1: Yeah, and that's because it's off camera too, so it's hard to explain that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. I don't know. All I can say is. We're showing
0: so little of her situation, though, that it's impossible. Yeah, then that's
1: what I'm saying because all of it, for the most part, is conjecture. You know, we're just, Mm -hmm. we just have to go off of maybe what we think. My argument would be like, well, because we didn't see her in the truck, and it was almost like the Red Dragon switch, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. It's like maybe she just was like she could have had a bag or something over her head and she didn't realize that and then he took it off and then she was, you know, the wreck happened or whatever, but I don't know That's just I'm just taking yeah. a stab Alright, anyway, that's towards the end I, I want to rewind that, it yeah. again a little
0: bit because I was kind of impressed with the amount of times they decided to go sideways against that big truck Yeah. Uh, movies have a really bad habit of having <laughs> people follow what's now kind of known as the Prometheus school of running <laughs> Yeah, that's funny <laughs> And they did a little bit of that, but I do feel like they made turns obviously enough to keep them alive. But yeah, yeah. at times it was a little bit more realistic where it's like you ran straight for a couple seconds, and now that you have time to start thinking, oh, obviously I'm going to go off to the left or right. Like. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, those are some of the things I want to talk about, too. Um, there was a couple times exacts. where I was like, ooh, just fucking
0: turn motherfuckers but there wasn't as many of those as i run into in other movies and that kind of impressed me
1: yeah i know i totally i know what you're saying one of the first ones was the truck scene because they think that the ice truck guy is rusty and you know they drive away from him and steve has some really good lines in that too and he's like you know we got we got a gun and the guy shows him he's like well i got your card And he asks, you know, was the mustache scary? And then he tells him, he's like, no, it wasn't mustache, dude. He's like, he says something. I can't remember. I'm going to paraphrase it here. But he's like, yeah, we're good now that we're not dead. (laughs) Something like that. But I was like, man, that shit's funny. It's like, it's subtle, but it's funny. But the point I'm making, too, is right after that, when the truck is there and they're getting chased down that dead end road, is some of it. I was like, yeah, you could have got out of it with the move that Paul Walker did, but he kept going straight is that power slide, that term power slide. I was like, all right, there's a few things. First, that's some of that pre-fucking Fast and Furious shit that he's pulling off right now. Which uh,
0: we didn't point out, Ted Levine's in. He's in the first Fast and Furious with Paul. Oh, yeah,
1: good fucking point. That's funny. He's also in Mr. Monk's Other Brother with Steve Zahn. So there's like some subtle things that they do in this that they Mm. use in that, which is also kind of funny. (laughs) But yeah, goddamn, that is funny. I didn't (laughs) think about that.
0: (laughs) He's the police captain or whatever. That's fucking funny.
1: (laughs) But they're showing some of those, like, power slides and him, like, hitting the the brake and then the gas, like, to give it the punch. But I was like, man, they could have got out of that situation the first time had he done that power slide and then just went back on the main road and got out of there. Yeah, gone. Yeah, I was thinking gone in 60 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) but no he makes that power slide into the car not fucking
0: making that turn
1: no he's not no he's not making that turn that's too too wide of a turn for a truck but yeah that's when they fuck up and then that's when the car gets smashed against the tree that's like oh that's obviously a some kind of hydraulic lift pushing (laughs) up (laughs) but that was good that's like building that tension that terror after a little bit of the comedy but that's what you were talking about the veering off the second veering off happened in the cornfield when everybody yeah, splits up. When everyone's up. running and shit. Yeah, it's like a first, you know, they're all together. Then it's the 2 and one Then it's they're all. And the thing that got under my skin a little bit was the fact that Lily kept calling for Paul Walker. She's like, Lewis. like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You're going to get caught. You're going to get us all killed. <laughs> yeah, of course. But that also lends its hand to the use of color schemes in this film because it was huge on, like, green hues and yellows. But more specifically, the red. Like, the red's a dead giveaway now watching so many horror films. Mm-hmm. So I can't help but notice that. And any time I saw red in this film, there was usually an impending doom, or more specifically, Rusty Nail was close by. But in that scene where she gets captured, she is wearing a red jacket. No pun, but that's a dead giveaway. Like, something bad's going to happen to her. So I paid attention to that a little bit more when I, I was like, oh, one of the first ones you see is at the motel when... They bump into that racist big guy who gets his jaw ripped out. You get the red on the highway from the back of the taillights when they find the CB radio again. You know, something bad's going to happen. So I kept paying attention to some of that color scheme. You were talking about the
0: tension. It kind of reminded me. This might be, especially out of movies that we've done, maybe my second, maybe tied. I don't know. It's up in the top five for sure. Uses of a shotgun. Oh dude. And wow. it's probably in the top one or two against the first saw with a shotgun trap.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Used in a completely opposite way. The shotgun trap was so sudden and jarring and brutal. And this shotgun trap was just
1: this slow drawn out tension yeah, it like kept teasing you is what it was doing. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too graphic, but yeah, it was more of a tease, but the way it was teased, you know, there was like this brutality, like this crazy brutality behind it. in gore, and just something that you don't necessarily want to see, like maybe in a movie, but not up close I and mean, personal. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was not to Lili, but yeah, you know, Paul Tuesday, <laughs> Jesus, you know what we're saying, <laughs> you know what we're getting at. But you're right, I did like that a lot, and they honed it in a lot too. Is like they kept reinforcing that. There's a trigger. There's a trap. Here's the fucking barrel. <laughs> Here's the Saran wrap holding it all. <laughs> yeah, I read a little bit about that too. With like, for you know, practical effects, it's supposed to be tape. but... It's supposed to be Scotch tape. Yeah, but it's like it a Saran, like Saran wrap. wrap. Yeah, I, I didn't. I like, had yeah. no
0: problem with it being Saran wrap. No, yeah. that's
1: fine too yeah. because no one wants to get tied up in that shit. Yeah. Yeah. But anywho, I did like that. They drove home the point that this does not have a good ending if somebody opens that door. And then and kept the cops are it. opening the door. Are you like, oh no? <laughs> yeah, and she kept really dropping those weird fucking death by cop, those little couch needles or chair I needles. I kind of had and, a problem with the fact God that she
0: kept being able to pry nails out of the <laughs> chair and then wasn't able to fucking hold on to them.
1: I know that's like that's a lot of work just to get them, and then you fucking drop them like three or four times. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you Look, did see like she's frightened as shit. Yeah, right? and then you do see like her hurt the agony she has because of that and like she knows she's in race against time yeah that end sequence is i liked it a lot too because that was one of those scenes as like oh yeah this definitely makes me think about it. specifically because of steve zong getting shanked mm-hmm. with that fucking copper tubing I'm like oh god damn and man that's good that's a bit of that gore that was actually really good in this film too
0: I didn't watch any alternate endings. There's other alternate endings. I, this is the only ending where Rusty survives.
1: I, man, I was looking to see if I could find any like featurettes or like special features, even interviews. And man, there's not a lot on this film on YouTube, at least. The only thing I know is that in one of the alternate endings, you can
0: see a water tower in the background.
1: I read about that too, yeah.
0: They didn't have time to shoot the scene the way that they wanted to involving the water tower. And it cost him a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, water tower
1: was a hundred grand. God damn! But from what I read, it sounded like it was reinforcing the idea of why Rusty Nail survived. Yeah, that whole sequence. Yeah, the one that I did get to see wasn't much different than the ending we got. Subtle difference. I mean, there was a major difference, but a subtle difference too is is that Steve Zahn's character didn't get impaled. Okay. And when the cops, you know, are like opening the doors, by the time they get to the door. She's actually got out of the chair and got a hold of the shotgun and wound up shooting Rusty Nail instead. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then when the ambulance arrives and all that stuff and they find Charlotte, is Paul Walker has a conversation with their dad, with his and Steve Zahn's dad, and he gets Steve Zahn to talk to the dad. Mm. <laughs> and that's kind of how it ends. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I was like, okay. So there's a little bit of a difference, but not, I mean, they still survive, but Rusty Nell actually dies. Okay,
0: yeah, and that's the, this is the only one where he survives. All the rest, he dies. Yeah, man. exactly. I think there's one where the
1: brothers beat him to death. Yeah, I read about that, too.
0: Is there one where he commits suicide by shotgun?
1: From what I read, too, is because of the conversation Lily's character has with him, and mm. with, you know, like, oh, you know, because people... I might have that happen. Bullying, to be
0: honest, because well, I enjoyed this. Some movie. Some
1: of it's on the. I think the DVD and stuff. So okay. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm tempted to buy this movie now because it's a good one. I wouldn't mind watching this a few times a year if that were the case. If it were on, or you know, if there was nothing better to watch per se, I, I mean, this is a good one to put on.
0: I'm, I'm actually really surprised by how much I ended up enjoying it. I I had a feeling I was going to dig it, but I kind of felt like I was going to dig it. Like, oh, that was fun. That was a movie. Yeah, it's like it's kind
1: of more nostalgic thing. There's a few other things I wanted to make note of this film. I do like the truck scene at the truck stop where they do have to get naked and go in and be humiliated. Not necessarily because they're naked, but because of a few things that happen along the way. (laughs) One of the first ones is when they're going into the rest stop is those two chicks come out. And they were totally digging on it. That's like, damn, they were feeling it. All right. That had me giggle a little bit. The second one was when they actually order the hamburgers. And she just asked if they want fries. You want fries with that? <laughs> I was like, that's fucking that's gold. And the third thing is the guy who is the diner manager who comes out, his name is Robert Winley. The reason I'm mentioning him is because there's a similar thing that happened to him in Terminator Two. Because he was the cigar biker in Terminator 2, where an Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> goes into a diner like that. It's like, that's funny. That's good. That's clever. There's a fourth one, too. like It's more significant now than it ever would have been back then. But in that same truck stop sequence, before they even go into the rest stop, yeah, is Lily is outside of the car. And there's a truck that goes by. And if you look at the mud flaps, I was like, oh, god damn. <laughs> The name of that company, it was called MAGA Truck Service. Oh shit. <laughs> it's in Winniemucca, Nevada. I was like, holy even has a phone number on the back. I was like, you know, if you're watching this film now that I'm saying that you should do it, but it makes me wonder how many calls they've gotten because of that. <laughs> like, hey man, I saw your truck. I want to damn ride, boy. Y'all from MAGA? <laughs> It's like, that is too fucking funny, man. I, oh, my
0: God. That's amazing. That
1: was just one of those things. like, I'm probably reading way too much into that. But it's just too funny in this time of day now, man. So I did make note of that. And another thing I wanted to talk about, just for a brief second, was the fact that Paul Walker got that car. And it wasn't just a few days later that motherfucker blew up. <laughs> I was like, it was a good investment because it wasn't expensive. It was only like 1100 bucks for that car. Right. I was like, God damn, that's a cheap for that car in that condition. But right. then it blew up
0: <laughs> However, a few days so, later. I should have wrote it down. What was the car? Do you remember? It was a
1: Chrysler Newport, 1971.
0: 71 Chrysler Newport. Has the 71 Chrysler Newport ever been considered
1: the sexy choice? Oh, no. I <laughs> don't think so. I, I, I. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit in the defense. Not because I'm sure there's a lot sexier cars on the lot. But did you look at the price on that fucking ticket stub? For his flight from L.A. No, to Newark. No, that. Dude, I had to put pause on it because I was like, God damn, that's an expensive ticket for 1998 or 99. I think that's when they shot it and all that stuff. And they even had it on the ticket. But it was like almost 800 bucks.
0: Oh, shit. And it was refundable.
1: Get a car. Get a yeah. Car. And I was like, well, that makes sense how he got the money for the car. And I was like, all right, for the price, that's a damn good deal. And it is a classic car, even by that time standards. You know, it was like 27, oh, 28 cool. years old. And I was like, man... The first car I remember driving, actually, was a 77 Ford LTD my grandpa's boat. <laughs> and I was like, they're not really sexy cars, but they're fucking, they're beasts, dude. They're like, they good cars. They're dependable. But, yeah, in terms of sexy, <laughs> not so much. But there's lots of room. There's so lots of room. So there could be you sexy. You could make the sexy. That's what I'm getting at. There could be sexy.
0: Uh, you know what's not sexy? And something I was a little bit disappointed <laughs> by. I kind of wish they would have worked harder to not see as much of Rusty in that last sequence until yeah, he's getting yeah, yeah. the headlock on
1: and shit <laughs> that was kind of fucked up and they even use Levine's he was a voice. lot
0: better as not seeing very very little of him
1: yeah that was very effective of them not showing him for the entire film up until that last sequence and it's kind of like it did lose a little bit of the luster of it I don't know I don't know maybe that was like you know, how they were chopping up this film, and maybe that's why they had four fucking different editors because of all those different sequences, Mm -hmm. is how much that got seeped in in the final cut of this film. I'm wondering who made the final decision on
0: what endings and stuff to use. Good point. I would guess probably some of the studio 20th Century Fox. That's kind of what I'm guessing, especially since we've had two direct-to-video sequels.
1: Yeah, I know, right? I was like, man, they weren't that far removed from where we're at today as far as time-wise, because... The sequel came along much later, like mm-hmm. years later, and then it had a third one. I think they wanted one. to
0: keep that option open.
1: Yeah, because it does leave off on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. It's the only one where he
0: lived because they didn't get to use the water tower in the other one. Exactly. So, all the other endings, he was definitively dead. Joyride ends.
1: And that's it. It still would have been a successful ending, I think. You know, it's like there is a resolve and all that stuff, but I think they left it open probably. Say because the studio, they're like, hey, we can make more money off of the sequels. Mm-hmm. If we leave it
0: open-ended. And thinking about the fact that we didn't see him throughout so much of the movie, and we end up using the cut of the ending where you accidentally see a lot more of him, which yeah. was disappointing. I was thinking about the writing, and it's a J.J. joint. Yeah. And J.J. is known for mystery boxes, and just throwing tons of mysteries into movies that are never really <laughs> satisfying when they're finally resolved. Or not just movies, but fucking like lost Mm. should jj just turn to writing more horror because mystery boxes work in horror because you can have boogeyman type characters i'm not opposed to that i think you make a solid you know argument there for sure
1: yeah that's his style suddenly
0: become one of the best horror movie writers out there if he just turned his mind to it (laughs) i mean he does a little bit of horror i mean he's like cloverfield and shit but that's a big monster that's different
1: yeah totally different All right, this is my pitch. I'm going to make a pitch because I did read a little bit about it in our news section, but I didn't think it was worth mentioning. But because we haven't covered it, I love the film, but the guy who did The Monster Squad hasn't done a horror film since that time period, since 93, I think they said. Okay. And he's looking for projects. And if J.J. Abrams is interested in writing a project, you got a guy who has done, like, some of the classic universal monsters with the mystery and jj would always say i like think i just think jj yeah has think, that mystery kind of sci-fi horror thing going
0: jj's natural writing style can be adapted very well towards horror yeah for sure dude
1: he has the potential maybe to be it really doesn't good. get
0: that way all the time like i'm not the biggest fan of some of his works that have saying. included horror but this is a really good movie and sort of yeah. shows how if you leave the mystery in one spot, how you can work around that and still
1: make it work. Totally agree with you. That's interesting. It makes me wonder, too, like how much he is interested in wanting to go in that direction. I mean, I mean if he does, man, he's... It'd be dope, but yeah. maybe, hopefully. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I mean, we know looking at his credits, man, like he's tied up in some big money with disney and... right i mean
0: he didn't direct it but bad robot produced overlord and like i said a couple of weeks ago that movie was fucking dope
1: so yeah so, that was well, I mean, a really we'll
0: good action horror so
1: we'll have to write to him like hey man we just did this movie <laughs> jj come on jj <laughs> come on
0: jj you know what we want you to write we're not sure but write it. <laughs> <laughs> write it <laughs> yeah exactly it, i mean stop working on star wars i mean come on Who's going to go watch that?
1: I know, right? Come on, dude. (laughs) It makes me wonder how much of not only just the writing, like how much of that shit in the final cut, you know, how much of that was influenced by Studio. And I would argue and probably would probably be right to some extent that they probably had a good influence on that. And that's why that last little bit feels
0: a little clunky. I don't really have any other notes. That was my last point to make about this movie. (laughs)
1: It's one of those that I'm totally glad we did go back and watch. It was one of those to, we mentioned before, it was targeted toward our audience and demographic during that time period. I still think it holds weight. I think it's still a movie that has high rewatch value. Like I said, I'm very surprised at
0: how much I ended up really actually kind of enjoying this movie. And not just for nostalgia value. It plays kind of like a 70s thriller.
1: The score is good, too. I know we talk about scores and films it's not necessarily the way it was composed i just think it was choice of some of the songs in this film it gave it a good flow i even like the use of i looked her up it was brenda lee Mm -hmm. like in the cornfield where he's playing kind of like that 50s style music oh that was cool yeah i like that a lot it kind of gave you a little bit of like this weird melancholy nostalgic almost this weird fucked up romance kind of feel you know Mm -hmm. it's like this forbidden romance (laughs) but i still liked it it just gave it that certain feel you know
0: and that's the thing parts of this movie are extremely well done
1: it's not a perfect film any stretch but it's fucking good though dude it's solid yeah plus fucking walkers yeah family <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah <laughs> you get to hear ted's voice buffalo bill yeah, yeah That's good i mean i'd be okay he with wants to him. fuck candy cane hard <laughs> real hard take a bra off hard <laughs> pink champagne baby that was so good but yeah it was fun man it's funny because it was all for the most part because of a comment the candy cane comment that from someone who hasn't even watched the movie i know damn like Buck. we said that's how much it
0: permeated
1: you're right i mean because he's in our age group too Buck. Yep. so yeah he'd never
0: even seen the fucking movie
1: that's funny man i talked to ashley and jeff and jeff was like yeah i don't think i've seen that movie since it came out and i just said candy cane and he knew exactly what i was talking about <laughs>
0: He's yeah. in our age group. My sister. Yeah, I just remember in high school, like, we went to <laughs> the Experience Music Project in Seattle on, like, a music trip, and we went in a room, and it was, like, playing with sounds and shit, so there was, like, a voice modulator. <laughs> one of the first
1: things somebody did was go in Candy Cane. That's <laughs> so funny, man. It's one of those early, early, early memes that was a meme unintentionally.
0: Yeah. Absolutely was. Let's see. Going forward, Yeah, we haven't quite decided what we're doing next week. But we did decide something that we should let you guys know. We're going to be taking a two-week break over the holidays. The way schedule works out, we wouldn't be able to record on the days that we normally would anyway. Because and they it's... both
1: fall like, on eves
0: of certain holidays. Yeah, so we're going to do two episodes past this. Yep, 98, 99. Then there's going to be a two-week break. And episode 100 yes. is going to be our first episode Bring in the new 2019. Year. Yeah, 2019 that's how we're gonna bring that's gonna be fun year.
1: that's gonna be really fun so
0: that just adds on even more to what we're already trying to do so i am looking so forward to Likewise, that idea dude. i really hope it pans out as well as i think we both think it's going i think to. it is i know the other people involved are starting to get excited as <laughs> yeah, well yeah fuck yeah although i'm not sure if they should be probably not
1: for the same reasons why we're excited <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: it's going to be so much fun. But we have to go smoke some more weed and decide yeah. what we're going to do for you guys next week. Clouded memories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, in order to listen to us next week after we decide. And, by the way, I have a feeling we're going to go a little bit darker than lighter.
1: I'm okay with that, dude. You know we like <laughs> the dark side, man. Speaking of
0: Star Wars and yeah. The Force. Please hit subscribe, however you're listening to us right now. If you don't enjoy how you're listening to us right now, head over our website, friedsquirms.com. There's links up at the top. Down at the bottom, you can always stream our latest episode. In between, there's links to our Instagram, our Facebook, and our Twitter. Search friedsquirms across anything. You're going to find us because we're the only ones. You can always contact us through our website or by hitting us up squirmcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you collab with you get recommendations yeah, from exactly. you
1: have just let you... us know what you think in general
0: yeah tell again. us you hate us tell us you love us marquan i'm sure you're gonna hit us up again at some point <laughs> yeah baby we love hearing from brett, you brett brett fucking hit us up Tory, again. there's been a
1: lots of people along the way anybody else wants to join in like yeah people hit us up we'll hit you back we'll talk to you yeah we're not shy at this point we're like almost 100 we're not shy anymore we ain't gonna hurt you no 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 we're We're gonna we're gonna love you softly love you tender (laughs) hell yeah
0: (laughs) but for this week i'm tyler i'm danny fried squirms
1: out